Hi, this is Corey Smith, artist of Magnus Robot Fighter and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> First Woody Hoot of the New Year. A lot of first. See, I could have said that. Hey. I think I did that last year. Just like I did the ho 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 last year. Well, in you don't want to repeat yourself. Can't, can't say last year anymore. That's that's 24 hours old. I don't, know, I don't know. A moment of silence. Hey, Renee, why don't you take time to dry your hair when we record? Perfect, right? How fitting is that? I could maybe close the door. She's getting her hair did at 9 o'clock at night. That's it. Well... We uh, we have um, she has a dentist appointment tomorrow morning. We have shit to do tomorrow, so no time to do it before we run out. She get a kick out of the way I dress the uh, Christmas card envelope. Dude, I don't I don't think we got yours. Didn't Renee say on Facebook that we got yours, boo? I don't. Right. Oh, wait, I, think I think we did. I think we did. It says King Dap and Queen Renee. Mm. Wait. Yeah. I got to look at the table then. I don't... Shit. It's all right. It's okay. Yeah, Man, I can't I'm believe just... that beard you have going on right now, Vince. You like that it? Is... <laughs> it's just, you're an ass. I trimmed it today. A little bit of trim. It would smell like fish. <laughs> so, so I had to trim it. <laughs> oh, that's so disgusting. But it's fitting. <laughs> it is. Are you busting my balls? You don't like my I facial loved hair? I it. <laughs> Hey, Dick, you probably went on the the Facebook thing. Look at this shit he's got. No, I think it looks awesome, dude. All right. I love it, man. You know I love facial hair. Yeah, it's true. If I could grow my beard that bushy, I would. Well, I had to trim it because, like, food and shit would get. Oh, yeah? You had some (laughs) some mashed potatoes up in there? Yeah. It was sticky-nicky on the top. Yeah. Good Lord. Funny shit. That is funny. We're in a good mood. We are in a good mood. Doing the gangster lean in 2015. And I'm start. I'm doing this episode with some rap for you. No way. Yeah, yeah. Check. I don't like. I don't like much, but I do like this one. You'll see. All right. Nice. Hey, everybody. 2015, first episode of the new year. Eleven o'clock comics, episode 349. I'm Vince B. Wow. I am uh, David A. Price. Yeah, you are. And straight from your future, I'm Arno Stark. <laughs> <laughs> No. No, you're not. You're the other Stark. You're Tony Stark. You're arrogant and smart. <laughs> uh, t- Tony is, uh, is a make mess. It, make it, make it, make it people buy you app and shit falling off the wagon. Speaking of a mess, I read, I read a, a comic series this week that was such a mess that I'm not going to talk about it because right, after every record, I'm going to tell y'all what it was. Okay, it was good. Right. See, you can't bait them like that and not pay off. No, I'm, it's you, have, you have to at least <laughs> gonna have it. live with it. <laughs> no, you're not, Arnold Stark. You're Jason Wood, everybody in the house for this first episode of 2015. And write this down. If you want to get your books really cheap in the new year, which this is this year, 
Get cheap comic books at Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. We're in that um, ambiguous limbo uh, period where the, the new list is not up. The previews just came out, so they, they haven't – well, they may have selected the new uh, specials, but they haven't released them to us yet. But rest assured, the discounts will be both deep and plentiful. Yep. Massive discounts, like up to sometimes up to seventy five percent off. It's crazy. Oh, I hope it's seventy five percent off that Secret Wars collection. <laughs> that, that would be nice. Would be amazing. Yeah, but I wouldn't bank mm, on that. I'm hoping for, I'm hoping for fifty. Two fifty for that set is a, is a given. That that'd be uh, an instant order for me. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you get them delivered right to your door. You don't have to move. Get they don't mind late orders. They don't mind order additions. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot this. Come on. Add it to your order. We don't care. We'll get you another book. And you can get your previews for what you should have been paying all along, which is less than a dollar. And that includes the Marvel previews, too. It's insanely cheap, insanely good. They are the best. DCBService.com. Yes. Yeah. And we can't forget about our buddies at Valiant because they are cooking. They are hot. The uh, Valiant Next initiative is in full swing. The books are coming out on a nice... uh, even keel we got the uh valiant which came out uh issue two is is coming out very soon you need to get in on this if you haven't already go to your comic shop or dcbs and get the valiant because it's jeff lemire matt kent and paulo rivera what valiant heroes do you like do you like bloodshot geomancer eternal warrior archer and armstrong they're all in here you need to read this this is going to set the trend for the valiant books in the future what does that tell you got it read it also, you should get in on the uh, Valiant First Look, which is available at Comixology, Comics Plus, Madefire, and DriveThroughComics.com. You will see pages and read words from Ivar, Time Walker, Divinity, Imperium, Ninjak, Bloodshot Reborn, all those are number ones, with uh, names attached such as Matt Kent, Jeff Lemire, Clay Mann, Joshua Dysart, Doug Braithwaite, Matt Kent again, Trevor Harrison, Fred Van Lenty. We love him. And Clayton, we love them all, but we really love Fred Valenti because he has three names. Yes. So get in on the Valiant. It's going to be awesome. It is awesome. That's all I got. That's well it. done, sir. I try. Bring it in the new year like a bouse. Yeah, I got a bunch of thank yous, one of which ties into the drink roll call. Really? Wow. Yes. I would like to thank Titanic Tom Kelly for once again hook, hooking me up with a case of Yingling Lager. He left it at the uh, comic shop, which is Comics on the Green, Scranton's best and only comic shop. But that's not why it's the best. Dave does a great job. But let's get back to Tom Kelly. If you would like to see uh, some of Tom Kelly's awesome art, where should you go? TomKellyPrints.BigCartel.com. And that's Kelly with only one E. TomKellyPrints.BigCartel.com. He has TomKellyArt.DeviantArt.com. And he has Tom... T-O-M-M-M-9 dot D-A portfolio dot com. And you will see the magnificence that is Tom Kelly. And he's a hell of a guy, too, for hooking me up with this beer. Mm. So I'm drinking um, Yingling Lager, courtesy of Mr. Kelly, and Sierra Nevada Celebration, the Fresh Hop IPA. I'm, I'm dueling it this week. Dual beers. Wow. I'm done. What about you, David? Uh, I am... Um... I'm finishing off the bottle that Renee gave me on our uh, on our anniversary Saturday night. Uh, after I made dinner, we um, 
I didn't know what I was going to drink. So she, she came home with a Mettler family vineyards, Cabernet Sauvignon. And, mm. uh, it, it was really tasty. And, and I was going to hold on to this for as long as I could, but, um, I figured I would finish it off for, uh, for Nanook. Yes. For one out. Yep. For one out for him. Her. Her. Um, there you go. It was an um, not a him, but yes. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't usually take. I'll be shot. doing. I'll be. Uh, no, it'll be a. Uh, it'll be like Jews in the um and the headstone. You got to wait a year before the headstone is uh is revealed. I'll just be. It, it, everything will be for the nook for for quite a while. So people can get bored with that real quick. Mm. F them. Hey, True. Life. hey, there you go. You do you. You do you. Well, I Jason, I'm drinking, drinking Yingling Lager as well. Wow. You can't beat it. It's it's solid. Yep. Uh, I, uh, it's, it was, it's basically what was in the fridge. We've, uh, we have depleted all of our interesting beers and wines after the holidays, which were jam packed up to last night. So yeah, we had some magic hat, um, which is all gone. Uh, that, that trogues, trogs, trogues, whatever that's all gone. What we have left is, um, ying and lager. Yummy. This, uh, celebration. And I got a case of Heineken light. Heineken. Like, who the, I, who the wow. hell's going to drink that? Renee. Yeah, Beth in, between, in between singing and doing her hair, she'll come over for mm-hmm. some Heineken Light. Beth loves she it. Dance, yeah. dance naked on my table. She can have the whole damn case. <laughs> damn, I have to wash my beard again. <laughs> yeah, stank on you. That's fun. <laughs> That's dirty. I have a couple other uh, thank yous. Wow, look at you. Yes, we should thank Mr. Val Staples. Oh, oh yes, we, yes, we should. Yes, doctor. I have not tasted it yet. Still, no, no, I didn't get tasted because my kids. Destroyed. Oh, stop. That's crazy. Jumped right in on it. Had it. Well, I, I tasted it, and as usual, they were delicious. Dr. Hugh, Colors Supreme Val Staples, sent us salted caramels, and they're homemade. Yes. Awesome. They're so delicious. So thank you, Val. And we got to give a big, big thank you for um, the gift that's going to keep on giving all the way through 2015. Yes. The amazing Daniel White creator of 1976 New Rose, hooked us up with an amazing new 2015 specific 11 o'clock comics album art mm-hmm. image. And it is great. Um, so get used to it. You're going to be seeing a lot of it. And so thank you, Daniel White. It's awesome. Yeah. I love, it's got energy. It crackles, man. Yeah, crackalaka. Love it. Just like us. We got energy. Love it. It's a beautiful. Nice. It is. It is. It's fitting. Yes. We didn't get the original. Though. You actually got off your ass and did a logo for once for us. When <laughs> Stop I first saw it. That, that's the thing. I want great art to be associated with our podcast. They see my art on the Facebooks. They don't need to be, don't need to be attached to the show. Mm-hmm. I know they see your shares on the Facebook. Oh, I got stuff brewing, but be that as it may for right now. Okay. Yeah. So what are we going to talk about? Do you guys have thank yous? Nope. Uh, not uh, the uh, ones that you covered. Yes, I grouped them because I figured you guys would want to do as well. Mm-hmm. So, well, Jason, so what, what have you been reading? What's this book you're reluctant to oh, talk no, about? No. I won't get into that. I don't want to, I don't want to blow the, these, these kind people up, but, uh, but no, I, uh, nice holiday break. So lots of reading to be done. Um, one of the more interesting books that I read today, in fact, is a new 52 book, believe it or not. Oh, look at you! I'm guessing Deathstroke. No, no, he said he bounced on that. No, I bounced you, on that. Already? Yeah. 
Wow. All right, let me guess. New 52 book. Is it um, somehow related to the Justice League? No. All right. Uh, Clarion, with your your, your woman, Anna Senny. <laughs> no. You're, you're, you're devouring that. No. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a dick. Is it uh, Nope. Oh, uh, boy. So why don't you just tell us? Let us let me just tell you. Uh, <laughs> Becky Cloonan, oh. who's the writer, along with Brendan Fletcher, with ridiculous art by Carl Kershaw. I'm talking about Gotham Academy. Yeah. Wow, that just came out, didn't it? Uh, three issues. Couple episodes, yeah, yeah, completion. Wait, is it a weekly? No, it's oh. in October. Oh, okay. It was, it was uh, in my regime pile. So I read the first two issues. I have not read three, although I do have it sitting here. Um, uh, it is, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's a book that has, um, I, I don't know. Well, I shouldn't say this. I don't know that I've ever seen DC do a book like this before. I'm sure they, they have in, in different time periods, but, uh, not being as well versed in DC's history as I am in Marvel's. Uh, I've never seen a book like this from, from DC. It's, um, by the name, you can imagine that it's tangentially related to the Batverse because it is set in Gotham. Uh, and it is about the boarding school with which Bruce, young Bruce attended before the tragedies that led to his, his parents' death and his becoming Batman. And now we're, we're in the, the modern era and it's a story about this academy and the, the book jumps us right into the status quo. It, it, it doesn't, the first issue is not, it's not a by the numbers. Here's the academy. Here's who's there. It's just, you were introduced to two of the students and we're given a lot of detail about the backstories, but we're given it in the context of the story versus just being told these things. So if you're paying attention, you can learn a lot about the characters, but it's not, it's not just fed to you, which I appreciated. Um, the the two main protagonists thus far are uh, a, um, a a bleach blonde uh, um, I guess Caucasian girl and then a, uh, a, a and she's a second year student and then there is a a, a new a newbie a first year student who is um, an Asian girl and her name is uh, Maps Miyasuki and the uh, the the Caucasian girl's name is, um, uh, God, what's her name now? I should have written it down. Olive Silverlock. So you've got Olive Silverlock and you've got Maps Mizuguchi. Sorry, Maps Mizuguchi. And, uh, the, uh, Maps is, um, obsessed with D&D. So she, her, her whole obsession as a newbie is she wants to map the entire academy. And it's this gigantic sprawling campus with, uh, as you can imagine, hundreds of years of history, and there's rumors of it being haunted. And um, the headmaster is this crazy guy uh, that's uh, named Headmaster Hammer, and he looks a lot like uh, Ra's al Ghul, frankly. Um, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. But we are uh, thrust into their lives, and we know quickly that that um, that Olive has changed a lot from her first year to her second year. Something happened over her summer break that has significantly changed both how people perceive her and her own life. She came back with uh, a different attitude. She's much more distant from everyone. She clearly had s- something happened between her and Batman um, that's referred to as the incident, but but we don't yet know what the incident is. And she's distant from her boyfriend, who happens to be Map's older, 
brother. And we just, you know, clearly that's going to be something that we, we, we come to learn, uh, as the series goes on. Um, she's also very nonplussed by things like when the bat symbol shines over a head of Gotham, most of the students freak out and she's just like, eh, whatever. It's just a bat symbol. Get used to it. Um, but the star of this book is, is Kershaw. Uh, Kershaw is a rare talent. We, we often praise artists and we often will, we'll talk about how great this art is or that art is, but, but this, this stuff that we're seeing from Kershaw is, is next level stuff. It's stuff you rarely see in a comic book. Wow. A monthly comic book. It, uh, it looks, um, it's going to sound repetitive because to me, the best way to describe it is it looks like cell animation. And I said that very same thing about Guarnido when we talked about Black Sad a few weeks ago. So I, 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 it's, it's just coincidence. But to me, as I look at this, I think this looks like cell animation from an awesome kick-ass cartoon. The colors are lush and painterly. Um, he's got such a tight, tight line. And, and, you know, you guys know Kershaw's work. So, so you know what it looks like, but this is just inspired stuff by, by him. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun. The book has a lot of positive energy. There's a mystery. Um, the, the supporting cast is, there's a, a pretty big, broad supporting cast that they can play with. Um, but for now, they seem to be focused mainly on, on Maps and Olive. And, uh, we do have an obligatory Bruce, uh, cameo, which, uh, I guess is par for the course. Uh, yeah. but yeah, it's pretty cool. And then at the end of the second issue, uh, there's a big, there's a, uh, there's a, a, a big wow moment, which, which again, I don't, I'm going to assume that Olive is a new character. Um, now I don't know if, um, she often refers to her mother. I, I don't know if her mother is perhaps someone that, that a, a more seasoned DC person would know. Um, so, you know, maybe I'm missing something there, but clearly, uh, at the end of the second issue, we, uh, we are presented with some evidence that, uh, that, uh, Olive isn't perhaps just a purely normal human being if you will. And, um, it's great stuff. It's great stuff. There's a, a little secret occult deal going on with some of the more privileged kids that are messing around with some dark magics. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. The sound effects are fantastic. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a, a book that seemingly targets a new audience, which I appreciate it. This is not, um, I, I this is definitely geared towards uh, an all ages reader. I think it's definitely has a female bent to it. So, Hat tip to DC for trying something new. Uh, I don't think this, I don't know that the sales have been super great on these new bat books that were launched recently, you know, Arkham Manor and this one and stuff, but, but for no lack of quality. So, um, I give them a lot of credit and I hope it gets a long enough leash to find an audience because it definitely deserves one. Well, I'm going to have to check this out because it does not sound like the typical bat book. No, it's not at no, all. Definitely not. No, it's not at all. Uh, David, you've read this too? Not yet. No, it's, it's, in the um it's in the queue i just i haven't had a chance to read it yet well yeah okay mm-hmm. hmm. you know i find it funny that um from our forum uh posts and david where can they find these said forum posts 1111oclockcomics.com that it seems that the events so to speak that are really connecting with the readers are not the big to do events like they're not Axis and um, the weeklies from DC with one exception. People seem to think that Batman Eternal and the Spider-Verse uh, arc uh, co- crossover seem to be the best things from comics in, in 2014. Yeah, Batman Eternal, I agree, seems to be getting a lot of love out there for 
one of those books that uh, a lot of people discounted uh, and then and then realized it's it's a pretty tight book. So I agree with you there. And we can't front on the Spider Verse. We know that's great. No, but we've already but, talked uh, about that. We've raped. Right. But I'm I'm very interested in this uh Batman Eternal. But it's like what? Uh 30 issues in the can so far? Or close I think to that? So yeah, I, yeah. I yeah. So. Well, hopefully well, DC will, right there they're just printing it's the, the the it's a digital series that they're re, that they're printing. Batman Eternal, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, isn't it? Oh, I thought it was a, a regular uh weekly, like um The Future's End. So am I confusing that with something else? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not, not in not in the same quality as Future. Am I confusing it with something else? You no, may. Yeah. They're uh, like um, uh, Legends of Batman or Legends of the Dark Knight. That was. Uh, oh, the- I think I'm confusing it with Injustice, which which is which is digital. Right. Uh, and then it okay. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. It's a 60 issue weekly series. Wow, 60 issues. Wow. Because I think they're stopping um, Future's End at um, 52. Soon enough. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah Le- Legends right. of the Dark Knight is a digital first, uh, as is um, Adventures of Superman. I know that those, and, and yeah, like you said, uh, Injustice, which is crazy cheap now. You can get the game for like twenty bucks. Oh wow! Oh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and Batman sixty six, which I hear good things about as yeah, well. Yeah, I did too. They've had a ton of great creators on that. So. Aren't they doing a Wonder Woman seventies this year as well? That's the perfect time. Yeah, pretty sure they're. I- I don't, I'm not one to make resolutions, uh, because I never keep them. But I'm going to try in the new year to at least give DC a fair shake. Good. Cause I've, I've been, um, blanketing the whole line. I mean, I read two DC books. I've been blanketing the whole line with the same, uh, perception of quality, let's just say. And I, I know it's not the case. Mm. It's wrong for me to do that. And I do it. So I'm going to stop it, hopefully. Cool. And, and give DC a um, a spot at the table with everybody else. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So give that a try. Gotham Academy, especially if you are looking for something a little left of center right. from the Bat I mean, universe. I'm going to do that. It sounds uh, interesting. Herschel's a beast. I, 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 I yeah. this dude, oof, I, I would love to see him. Uh, his Teen Titans year one was just yeah, yeah. gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they just, you know, these they, the kids look like kids. You know what I mean? They, they they have exp- great expressive, you know, facial features and and reactions to stuff. But but they look like kids, you know. They're skinny and little, and it's just perfectly done. Nice. Mm-hmm. David and I read the same thing. One of the one of the same things, anyway. This week. yeah yeah. This is one of the things that we read. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping we don't spoil anything for Jason. But if uh, if so, you know, them's the breaks. Uh, <laughs> Uh, written by James Tinian the fourth. The fourth. Illustrated by Eric Donovan. Colorite by Adam Gazowski and Steve Wands did the letters. Mimetic number three came out last week, I believe. Three of three. So it's done. Over. It's the capper to Over. the miniseries. Over. Forking it. And, uh, we've been talking about this one all along. This is one of the series that, uh, one of the books that I did not let languish on my piles. I had to read this thing whenever I, I, I found the opportunity to do so because I, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, but in the running for best miniseries of 2014, this one's going to be in there. I, I have to give this book its due. Um, just to recap some of it, um, the good time sloth meme hits 
People start bleeding from the eyes, screaming. Um, it uh, has a 12-hour gestation period after which you're you're done. You just want to convert other people to the uh, the meme, so to speak. And uh, and as with issue number two, the the meme mutated to uh, include audio yes. as well as as well as visuals the the uh, infected would scream and the screams combined into a sound that would also induce the uh, affliction of the the meme but in memetic number 3 the meme mutates again uh and it's pretty disgusting the uh the the screams which are heard as a song yeah but by, by the uh uninitiated are um extremely pervasive and they infect colonel marcus shaw and group so as of issue number two they only had a certain amount of time to find the dude who did this plead with him bargain with him pay him off or threaten his life to get him to turn this around or her they didn't really know um but in in this one uh issue three they find him and it is an extremely atypical conclusion to a miniseries. David and I may disagree with this. He'll tell you why. <laughs> but I, I, I think the ending came out of left field. I did not expect. I, I had an inkling that it wasn't going to end well. But I didn't think the the uh, conclusion would be presented with such finality. Candor. Okay. I mean, it, it's it's. Um, it's very bleak, the ending to this thing. Yeah. And, and, uh, Aaron, who, if you remember, has a problem. He, with both his eyes and his ears, he's colorblind. And he's also, uh, his ear canal was not fully formed at birth, so he doesn't hear all that well. He ha- needs a hearing aid. So the visual aspect of the meme had no effect. The audio, um, aspect also had no effect. But Aaron has felt like an outsider his entire life because of his afflictions. And uh, there's a neat little passage in the book where the the color of the sky had been described to him at a very young age. And he was um, he felt ostracized. He felt left out because he couldn't experience this. And uh, when 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 this uh, when the meme mutates for the third time, the, it's something out of the book of Clive Barker. The afflicted strip off their clothes and start climbing on each other, making these gigantic towers of naked flesh. And somehow the flesh becomes malleable where the, um, the, the beings, the, the humans that are at the bottom, the, the flesh actually starts to meld and mix together and it becomes the base of these gigantic towers. And you got to figure that all those people at the bottom are dead, stone, stone dead, right? So um, you have these gigantic singing towers, screaming singing towers, and uh, our um, Marcus Shaw and company actually find the person responsible for this meme. And it's, uh, well, he's an artist uh, of the the Warhol bent. Yeah. He, he kind of has a Warhol <laughs> yeah, he does, vibe. Yeah, and so, yeah. And uh, the, the, the whole reason behind the meme was that... Um, he claims that angels told him to do it because the the commingling of of humanity is our logical end like he traced the the uh, formation of language 
just to communicate ideas. And once we had language, we, um, we stumbled upon print, which enabled the wider dissemination of ideas and concepts. And, um, from print, we went to, uh, television, radio, uh, not in that order. And then the internet, which really put the, which really enabled the final stages of this, this plan, this, of the angels, uh, had to bring humanity to its natural evolution, which is, we're not single organisms, we are one. And the, uh, you know, you're not unique in any way. You're just part of a, a gigantic planet scaled, um, thinking organism. Uh, and it's pretty damn bleak at the end. I did not see that coming. What do you think, David? Uh, I, no, the, the, the seeds were planted in, in the first two issues or with each, each, um, mutation that the, uh, that the meme hit, it, um, it became, well, when, as soon as you find out the hero in, in air quotes, uh, the, uh, his afflictions, his, his, his disabilities, you kind of figure, oh, well, okay, so here's the hero of the story. He's going to make sure, you know, he's, he's the guy who's going to save everybody because it won't affect him. And, uh, I think the way the story played out, it, it was right to think that way. Um, mm-hmm. especially, you know, when, when we read a lot, of comic book stories. And yeah, and there are some stories that don't have happy endings because that's, that's the way the, the stories are. Like if, if you're reading, um, the bunker or, uh, or the, um, oh, son of a bitch. The, uh, it was, um, it, it, it was a story about a, uh, a, a child molester serial killer. And it was, it, it had the art by, uh, the phenomenal artist who I'm drawing a blank on, but Jason and I met him and his fiance and, uh, and he, um, he worked with, uh, Fialkov, but, um, you know, there, there are some stories out there where they're not going to end happy because they're not superhero stories and neither is, neither is mimetic. It's, it's not a superhero story. There might be some science fiction bend to it and, uh, and, um, some of it could play in, in the real world, but then it gets a little fantastical, but I, Reading along with it, no, I, I, I definitely didn't expect what, what we saw at the end. Um, I, I think what makes this series so terrifying is that there definitely is a real world aspect to this thing. Up until the towers, which is, come on, that's, that's extremely outlandish. Yes. It's, it, it's, 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 especially how they're made. Yes, absolutely. That's, yeah. It's, that's it's horror. Kind of is just like, uh, Okay, because now, yeah, now, I mean, I could have went along with it, and now you're talking about like changing. Yeah, no, that that's when it just gets a little. But see, see, I can understand. I I can wrap my head around the fact that the flesh may become malleable because of the pitch of the screams. Like you can do anything with sound. Right. We are we are vibration. Right. Yeah, so I can understand that, but. The, the, the really truly terrifying, um, aspect of this series is that this could happen. The, this is well within, you know, I don't think it would take the form of a sloth, a happy thumbs up sloth, ah. but you know, they, they can, they're doing tests with frequencies and projected images. And so this is very possible, but 
Jason, when you see the the uh, the towers, oh man, they're they are truly disgusting. Mm-hmm. They're just masses of bleeding, screaming faces. <laughs> you have maybe maybe an ass hanging out here and there. That that's towards the, from the middle to the top, but at the bottom, it's just this mush of skin and bone, and it's like oh, and, and well, I don't want to give too much away, but the towers are and and, and they do it really cool. The uh, the uh, city uh, where this the towers are have been erected. They, they're still projecting images of the sloth. So you see the towers and behind them is the sloth. It's a really, really, you know, powerful, um, statement. And, uh, the meeting with the artist does not go well. No. Let's just, let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the, the, any kind of hope that you thought for some, at least, some kind of resolution yeah. to this thing, a favorable resolution is right out the window with the, with that meeting. And it's just like, okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to spill the beans, but the last page will stick with you like peanut butter. Yeah, on your like the last page is really, I mean, that's, that's where it, um, that's if, if I was going to, um, feel not, not gypped, but if, if, if I got to the end of this issue and it ended before we got that last page, it probably would have just been a, um, an overwhelming, well, okay. But that last page definitely takes it up a notch. And, and, uh, it, and the thing I liked about it was it wasn't, um, one of your standard, uh, not well-written detective stories where the resolution, no clues were planted at all in the story. Like I, I hate when they do that. When you know, oh, it was the butler because the from, maker is is but the, but the right no, because but it was, right. But there was no. I, I, I need you to give me a clue. I, I need the pieces of the puzzle in order to solve it. If you don't give me the pieces, I can't solve right. it. But, but in this issue, halfway through the the third issue, something is mentioned where, you, and it's just like an offhand comment, yep. and. Okay, so they they did give you the. It shouldn't be a total surprise at the end, but it's 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 definitely a page of the Rod Serling type yeah, Twilight Zone yeah. type. Oh Henry, it's like uh, you know, it's a cookbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you know, it's it's it was extremely disturbing. Uh, uh, it stayed with me long after I finished it. I, I read it again, and uh, just as to try and see if there was anything I missed, and it was even more. Uh, it, it left a void in me like, oh, is this what we're heading to? Really? Is, is, because it's entirely possible. There are, um, when I, there are some books when I, when I finish the series or the story or, or, or the miniseries, I'll, I'll finish it. I'll put it down. I'll read the next thing and I'll recall what I just read, especially if I'm going to talk about it with you guys. And, and, you know, so, so there, there are beats that I'll have to remember, but, um, when I put this down, I pretty much remembered page for page what happened, and and that's yeah. that's not something that happens too often. Mm-hmm. No, there's a uh, a dialogue between uh, Tinian Four and Eric Donovan in the back pages. That it's about six pages it long, is. I would yeah. think. And they're they're going back and forth, and they're like, I struggled with this ending because. I did. I didn't know if, if how it would be perceived, if people would think it was a ripoff, or if if uh, you know fans wouldn't um, 
it would if it would become something beyond belief and they're just like no man this is the way we got to do it. we got to tell the story we got to tell and they do say that there is one little glimmer of there's one semi uplifting aspect to the series yeah. in which which Aaron becomes the person he kind of always wanted to be mm-hmm. or 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 hoped he would be or or he he was led in on something uh to which he wasn't privy his entire life let's just say that and uh it's you know if you can get a little bit of a smile out of that then then great but Oh God! What comes next? I don't want to know what comes next. I hope no, they stop. Yeah, no, this this has to be it. There's no, there's nowhere to go. I mean, what do you, you can't even. There are pretty much everybody we were introduced to, um, almost everybody we were introduced to in this series has a uh, has a has an ending. Their story is done, and and I can't. Um, yeah. I don't even if. No, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want a, um, a, a walking dead post mimetic world where, you know, people pick up the pieces or people fight. I don't want falling skies. I don't want, I don't want people, right. you know, going right. after whatever it is that, that caused all this. Just the story is, is that it, it really, it's, it's an end of the world story. If, if, right, but to, to what end if they did that? I mean, most of humanity's gone. Exactly. Or, or they're gigantic singing. Stalag or stalagmites? There's no way. Stalag- which, which one goes up? Uh, stalag. Stalag or goes up because the G means from ground. Stalag is ceiling. Oh, uh, look at you, wow. Mr. Yep. Wizard. The, uh, so they're, they're skin stalagmites. And, uh, there's really no purpose. In fact, some of the events of issue three are absolutely pointless. There is, there's, um, Aaron finds a radio. Yeah. And there, there's a little girl on the other end and she's like, I'm scared. I'm in this little room by myself. My parents, they got all happy and they're gone. There's no food in here. And Aaron's like, okay, I'll come get you. And he finds the girl, um, which was a bit of a stretch, but he finds the girl and there's no point to their meeting. Absolutely no point. Cause she's just like, I don't want to be rescued. I just want to go with my mother and father. And he's like, well, they'll, they'll, they're not your parents anymore. They're, they, they've, it's like, kind of like the walking dead. They're, they're, the, the people you knew are gone and they're never coming back. You have to save yourself. She's like, I, I don't want to save myself. And she goes and enters the meme. Uh, and it's just absolutely pointless, but maybe that is the point of, of his actions in this issue that, that there's entirely pointless. This is our destiny. We, we are, um, on a road to oneness and there's nothing we can do to stop it. I don't particularly like the thought of that because I would like to retain whatever it is that, that makes me me. But if, you know, if you can't stop it as in this series, you can't stop it. Right. Right. Depressing as hell. Mm. Part of it. Yeah. But like I said, um, it's, uh, I kind of rate things as, their resonance with me. Like if I remember a series, okay, you've just been ticked up a notch. Um, but if I have a hard time forgetting the events of a series, well, then you're going in the top tier. Right. Because, right. yeah, and that's definitely what Mimetic was. Well, yeah, great. You mentioned it's in the running for your best miniseries, which makes this as good a time as any to talk about this year's 11 O'Clockers. Woot woot. So, uh, the long and the short of it is, uh, we're going to do it differently this year. Uh, Excellent. No, 
well, no, it's before you say excellent. Yeah, I'm, uh, no, uh, because of the fact that generally the way we've done it is we've had an ongoing thread in the forum for people to, over the course of the last few months of the year, start coming up with their nominations and, and they, they'll come back to it frequently and update it until they're, they're ready to submit finally. Um, last year we did a survey monkey thing, uh, which was great and it, it led to, uh, close to a thousand people voting, which is awesome. Um, but the truth is we're already in January and because of, uh, us being, well, me specifically being busy and then the forum move and all the stuff, uh, never got around to any kind of, um, uh, audience voting or participation mechanism. And realistically to do it now, um, give people time to vote take the votes in, collate them, sort them, create everything. We wouldn't be, I mean, realistically, we wouldn't be able to be doing the award show until yeah. mid-February probably. And and then it gets kind of almost silly to do an award show that late into the new year. So I've made the executive decision that we are going to do uh, this year's 11 o'clock scores are going to be our votes and our votes alone. And we will bring the audience back into the fold for next year and beyond, uh, hopefully with a system that is, uh, more iterative and manageable than, than our, our prior versions. Cause it's just, it's, it's very, very hard to, um, to, to do this all in, in one fell swoop. It's, it was much easier when we had things going on, like ongoing for months at a time and little by little could just update it. So my bet on that, people, sorry about that. I know for some of you that's very disappointing news. Um, but, uh, some of us in this room, dude, <laughs> whatever, but seriously, though, Hey, if you want to take it on and you want to go, Oh no, 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 yeah, I'm see, okay. I'm yeah. going yeah. to we're all, we're all talk now. The, uh, <laughs> and, and truthfully being on, on Facebook or the forum, when the episode drops, people are going to tell us what they right. picked. So it's, and, and you get a lot of people not, not, well, yeah, I'll still say a lot. You get a lot of people who are like, oh, I didn't vote, but this is who I would have. And, and so it's still, everybody's voice is still going to be heard. And, and it's, uh, it's just, you know, it, it, if anything, it'll make for a, uh, somewhat streamlined episode because it'll just be the three of us going off on what we picked instead of having to pause so that Jason can then do the, the the next three runners up from from the listeners, which I always enjoy finding out. You know what side we all land on. You know, for all kind of in agreement, or you know who's that who's that one holdout who wants to make sure that you know My Little Pony got picked. And and uh, it's it's um don't laugh no, it, it, but it is it's you know, I if if it is if it is a one time thing, then then I'm all for it. And, and yes, I mean the end of this year. I think for what I don't know why I really don't know why, but the end of this year, the end of 2014, got out of hand for me at least. It it definitely came off the rails somewhere along the lines, and and I I can't imagine how different it was for Jason to also then because he turned 40 this year. It, it it's a big fucking deal, and and there were a few other things that we were all doing, and uh, you know to to take the time out to set up the Oscars so that other people can contribute and participate. It, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it was a lot. So I'm, I, I have no problem with, uh, switching things up this year. 
Well, good because I don't know how. I don't know that we have much. much exactly, you know. That's um, but but no. And in all seriousness, uh, you know, I, I I was thinking about that. I think part of it. Uh, this was one of those years where Thanksgiving was so late. Uh, and, and I think it truncated the end of the year for, at least for me it did. It's, cause, cause Thanksgiving to me always kind of starts the holiday season. Right. But it was so late this year that next thing you knew it was, it was Thanksgiving, birthday, Christmas, end of the year. So, but yeah, so it is what it is. I, I, I was hoping we could maybe at least, uh, to help a little bit offset the, the disappointment some of our, our listeners may be having that they're not going to be voting this year. Uh, I thought we could maybe set the date for the show. And I was thinking, if you guys are up for it, that we could say that we'll do it in two weeks on the fourteenth. Works for me. So we're sure. I mean, are we going to have the? Um, should I just look up at last year's? No, I will have that updated. No, okay, right no, that's now. fine. No, I'm just I, I you know, because otherwise <laughs> yes. I'll I'll start. To no, 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 I, no. I'll update it this weekend. But okay. okay. All right. Some pretzel with that salt. I'm, oh my for god! Real. It's not even. <laughs> see that? No, you like you don't know when I'm fucking salty. Ah, yeah, always salty. Always no. Um, can we list um, runners up because of the uh, the lack of uh, listener responses? Can we do runners up this year? Because we didn't do them last year. Sure. Okay. I mean, remember, but... it's a lot of categories, so it takes a right. Well, I'm uh, like one or two. I just like to to present he wants a to make sure. Oh so no, we... my mini series of the year is actually Infinity, but it would have been Mimetic if you know. Exactly. So yeah, I, I know where he's going. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, well, mini for many of the years, not going to be from a big two. That's for damn sure. All right. Yeah, but no, that's a good idea, Jason, and totally understandable. Yeah, sorry, y'all, all you listeners out there, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's it, we what we need is is it, for a long time our our forum was the main place we communicated with everybody, you know, and 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 then, but that's not really the case this year. That changed, I think. Uh, I, I think the forum is now uh, one piece of a of a of a fairly evenly distributed puzzle between the forum and Twitter and Facebook. Um, uh, and, and so it, those mediums aren't all designed to each have the same kind of input. You know what I mean? Like, right. so right. on the forums, people can copy and paste the list and then answer. And then, uh, but on Facebook, much more difficult to do that. But there's lots of people that contribute on Facebook now that don't really come to the forums. And then Twitter obviously is, is good for conversational real time response, but again, not an ideal place to, to, to vote. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm not quite sure what the ideal solution is uh for future years. I, I, I keep thinking that, that a a really well designed um online forum thing or I mean an online poll thing would be uh, would be perfect, but Survey Monkey wasn't quite perfect because the write in vote thing was difficult. I think it uh a lot of people either didn't didn't read the instructions right or do it right, so it just took a lot of Massaging after you pulled all the data and the votes in, you had had to do a lot of massaging and cleaning up of the stuff to make it something that we could tally. So I don't know. There, there's definitely a solution. I'm sure we just need to to figure out what that'll be for this new omni-channel world that we find ourselves living in. It's a memetic world. There you go. That'd be cool if we were the meme. All right. Oh, <laughs> shit. Then towers would be totally different mm-hmm. in my meme. Yep. All right. So let's carry on. Let's forge ahead. All right, David, you're uh, up. Let's see. Okay, I um, I oh today actually I read Cowl, uh, C O W L numbers six and seven, um, the Chicago Organized Workers League. Uh, this is um, we pretty much well, number six is a um, 
Number six is a, it's a one shot. It's done in one. Yeah, it's numbered six and, and it, uh, it's part of the series, but it, um, it looks and for the most part, um, reads differently than, uh, than the first five issues and the, uh, the seventh. Your, um, I want to make sure I get everybody's names right. So even one second, the, uh, you still have, um, uh, the story written by Kyle Higgins and Alex Siegel. Uh, this time around, Rod Rice is only doing the colors. Uh, Elsa C H A R R E T I E R Vince, uh, is your artist. And it is just the story. It is the secret or not so secret origin of the Grey Raven of Cowl Chief Jeffrey Warner. Oh, really? It is. And it, um, it looks basically something that, uh, Image would have done with 1963. It's, um, it's got the, uh, the, the, the dot Mori patterns for the colors. It's, it, it doesn't, it's not full bleed. It doesn't go page, full page, uh, board to board. You have, you have your panels and your gutters. Um, you have some phenomenal ads throughout this issue. Um, you have, uh, USDA endorsed Pollo. Extra crispy chicken, so tasty you'll fight for the last piece. Uh, you have, uh, two thrilling new horror series from Image Comics, Horrifying Tales, which contains witches and, uh, Nailbiter, guaranteed to give you nightmares. And, nice. um, there's a, uh, there's one which is absolutely, well, there's one for, um, Bitch Planet and, uh, and for Velvet, but my favorite was, um, there is, one where you can get your own cowl toys, cowl toys, everything you need to be a hero. You can fight crime like the Grey Raven and get uh, get your own little replica Colt 1911 so you can be a sharpshooter just like him. You can power up like Blaze and uh, get your own zero-point energy gauntlet. Uh, it comes with blue light bulbs that really light up. And then it says, girls, you can be just like Radia, superheroics superheroics aren't just for the boys look beautiful just like howl's leading lady with this official cowl compact and hairbrush set oh that's wonderful <laughs> because th- no but th- they're they're continuing that that whole yes. you know she's, she's just pretty. a visual yep. yeah that's awesome so uh but it is a uh, it's a very cartoony looking issue um it kind of explains a little bit about why um why Warner is, is a dick, but it's a, um, do we get to see Sparrow? Uh, no, it is. It, we're not that far yet. It is. It is basically, we, um, we get, uh, we get a glimpse of Warner's father who is a, um, who's a police officer. And, uh, so young Jeffrey wants to be just like dad. 1925, he, um, he he joins, he enters the police academy, joins the force, uh, finds out dad's on the take. And, oh. uh, yeah, so he, um, he's like, you know what? Well, Fuck this. It is Chicago. <laughs> he's like, what, what could the police if they're just as bad as the criminals? So he's like, he's like, I'm out. I'm not going to bother being a cop. So he, uh, in 1927, he, uh, decides to, uh, literally take his fight to the boxing ring. And that's where he becomes warring Warner. Um, but it turns out that uh, that isn't all it's cracked up to be. Uh, so when he uh, leaves boxing uh, in 1930, he becomes a uh, private investigator. And uh, you see the type of people that uh, 
he is has his clients. Um, but when he finds some information out about the um, uh, an alderman, he goes to the police. Uh, the police look down on Jeffrey because he is a PI and they don't, you know, it's not real work. Um, but of course on his way out of the precinct, he bumps into his dad. Um, they have some words and we kind of fast forward a little bit to, um, to a bank robbery. And there is a, uh, a villain, uh, basically calls himself the robber. And, uh, he, uh, he's got a mask on and everything. So Jeffrey wants to stop this person. That's where he gets the goggles and the gun and, and, uh, and his, uh, the chapeau and, and he goes and he goes out to take on the robber, uh, finds out who one of the robber's henchmen is. And, uh, basically from that point on, it, now that people, have a real hero they they can look at uh as a symbol as, as as an actual physical being and not just an idea uh that was the night that um that basically we sort of had the birth of the uh the union and and uh that was the start of the uh the superhero organization and we um we end right right there right when um basically Gray Raven makes his stand and, uh, and then we get to issue seven, which takes place pretty much almost moments after, uh, issue five. We, um, we see the, uh, the fallout from the death of, uh, or the murder of John Pierce. Uh, we, um, I still don't believe it. It it still bums me out. I, I, but there's, um, because because they show him in the body bag getting zipped up and it still says scab on his forehead. It's just it's mm-hmm. it's so uh, yeah, ain't happening. But uh, but apparently um, Warner isn't too keen on um, on ArcLight's actions and and ArcLight thinking that you know he was doing it for for the uh, for the organization and because um, Lord knows what would have happened if if you know word got out from the documents that that Pierce had found and. Um, so Jeffrey and Arclight have, have some words. The, um, they decide to, uh, um, whatchamacallit, Carl's buddy. They go, and, Carl and Radio go and pick him up out of the, uh, go and pick Grant up out of the, um, out of the hospital. Um, and, and still, uh, although it really didn't, Grant has a comment towards Radio about, you know, being replaced by a, uh, by a prettier model. Um, and now is is issue seven illustrated by oh rice yes yes we're it? back we're we're back to normal it's it's oh, higgins okay. and and siegel and and rice and uh so it's all and actually that some of it um yeah no i mean the, the art is is exactly the same there there are um no like i said if if it wasn't for six you'd think you were still it was still that same same storyline but uh you um yeah it, basically you know without getting too far into detail it's it's still um it's not like because it's a new arc and and it's like you know months later and and whatever deal um warner and uh and stone have uh concocted it's is now as uh has been in effect for for months or years it's it's um you're right where we left off at the end of the first first trade uh first hardcover so um it's still something that that I'd recommend. I thought I thought six was was nice. It was a nice breather. It's, uh, because there was 
such a, uh, cause I mean, we read the hardcover when we came back from New York Comic Con. So it's been a few mm-hmm. months. Um, I think the hardcover was both a blessing and a curse. Why is that? Because it was so good yeah. that, um, now that I already have it in, in hardcover, yeah. I'm going to want, want to read the next one in trade, mm-hmm, but. Right. These two issues sound incredible, and I'm probably going to pick them up in single issues. You should. Um, it, it, I think six would have um, made more sense if um, if they came out, if it came out closer to the release of the trade, or so close after uh, after the fifth issue. I mean, as it was, number six came out, and almost a week later, number seven. So the um, the different look, or 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 if you want to call it a fill in, but it was just it, it was a this one shot issue um kind of feels somewhat out of place just because of the schedule i'm i'm sure when you read the uh, if they do include it in the uh in the next hardcover from with issue 7 on or maybe they'll maybe they'll do this in between arcs and they'll give us the secret origin of another character and then there'll be a a, a compendium collection featuring these one shots even though they are numbered with the rest of the series but uh no I, you you won't be disappointed if you've been enjoying cal you will continue to enjoy cal i uh I, we have yeah we have we absolutely have but um i'd be curious on your thoughts on on look and uh of issue six but seven i i, I think you'll definitely dig and uh some things were a little we we were introduced to a newish character it, i just I, I'm glad it's back. I'm, I'm hopefully now we'll, you know, it won't be long before number eight is out and, uh, and I'll be able to just stay on top of it without waiting for, for months for, for the next issue. Hmm. Very interesting. That book came out of left field too. Yeah. That's got to go somewhere on the Closkers. It's, it wasn't one that I, I paid attention to. And then when it was shoved under my nose, I was like, damn. Right. This is good. This is really good. And, uh, yeah, I have something. Of course you do. That I haven't talked about since episode 134. Whoa. Yeah, seriously. I was, uh, looking at my notes and I was like, I, I know I, I went off at length on the first book in this trilogy. Uh, and when I, I found the episode, I was like, wow, it's been four years since I talked about this book. Um, the uh, first volume called Crossed Out came out in 2010. The second volume is called The Hive that came out in 2012. Mm-hmm. And the uh, concluding book, which is titled Sugar Skull, came out in 2014. Of course, they're by Charles Burns, uh, published by Pantheon. Uh, I will freely admit that I was so wrong in, in my... Um, assessment of the first book i i had i was convinced that um there was an abortion involved in uh the reasons why doug uh retreated from uh life so to speak but it's the exact opposite it was a birth it it was a birth and i did not see that coming um for those who of you who haven't read charles burns uh crossed out series it's kind of hard to describe, um, easily anyway. You have a, a, a dude named Doug does this, uh, beat poet, uh, Barosian performance art, uh, thing with, uh, and he, he, uh, dons a, a Tintin mask 
but and, and a lot of things in in crossed out uh are uh harken back to uh Tintin the classic uh series but in in Doug's world the character is called Nitnit which is Tintin backwards <laughs> and um Doug has problems uh his father uh, basically resides in the basement of their house in a, in a, in a bathrobe, smoking cigarettes, just pining for this, the one that got away. He, he, he pulls back from life, uh, retreats uh, into this, uh, self-imposed exile because he let this woman get away. He did eventually marry, hence Doug, but, um, he doesn't like to associate. He find, I guess he finds, uh, associating with his wife very uncomfortable. There's one sequence, I think, in the first book where, um, he's like, Doug's like, mom's coming down and his father's like, uh, do you just give her my love? I'm going back down in the basement. And Doug is the same way. Uh, Doug eventually hooks up with a, an artist named, uh, Sarah and they have a relationship, but it's, not your typical relationship. In, in fact, every character in Charles Burns, uh, crossed out, they're so distant. They're so detached. They, they rarely smile. If you see a character smiling on a, on a page of Charles Burns, uh, a work, you know something's coming because they just don't do it. They'll cry, crying, lots of crying, but not a whole lot of smiling. There's not a lot of sunshine in Charles Burns' stuff. Um, so Doug and Sarah eventually hook up, but Sarah has problems too. She, she, uh, has a lot of scars indicative of, of, uh, cutting. Um, she also has a very dangerous ex-boyfriend named Larry. And she, uh, she did some, uh, let's just call it performance art photography with, um, Larry, but mm-hmm. it was any anything but. Uh, Larry is a sadistic prick, and uh, she has a restraining order out on him, and he doesn't um, doesn't pay it any heed. Um, but the cool thing about Crossed Out and Sugar Skull and the Hive is that Doug, the narrative is broken up in in really strange ways. Uh, you'll get the the present day Doug who is is overweight and still pining for Sarah. It didn't end well, and he let her get away, like his father. Um, and then you get the uh, the 20-something Doug, who does his performance art, and you get the the um, the whole relationship with Sarah and everything they go through, and they, they take Polaroids, and they're so artsy. Uh, and she keeps you know, uh, pickled, uh, pig fetuses in, in jars and, and, you know, she's, she's a strange, strange girl, but she's, she's, she's been scarred literally by herself and by this Larry guy. And then you get this really strange fantasy sequence that is either Doug working out. Well, it's, there, there's no doubts about it. It's Doug working out his, his problems in this, this fantasy realm where, um, uh, the speech patterns and the actions and the likes and the desires of certain characters are transposed on these really weird looking Charles Burns type characters. Like, uh, Larry, uh, his speech patterns, like he 
calls people like fuckface. What's up, fuckface? And as soon as Doug enters this 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 fantasy world, there's this bald green. It looks like a like a you know how fetus a fetus will look semi reptilian. So it's a reptilian looking character, but it's got it's got a, an air of a, a fetal air to it. Um, this this being uh, this creature berates Doug, you fuckface. Like, why are you just standing around? And it's really Larry. Uh, and and he, Doug gets chummy with a new queen uh, of a breeder of the hive, and who has a gigantic belly. And she's got a, a knit knit mask on too, sort of. Uh, she's like the female knit knit, and uh, her job is to just keep pumping out these eggs, the red and white eggs. That also linked to Tintin and, uh, she's a, a, a breeder of the hive and, uh, they have this little, um, event where he, he brings her comics. Like she likes romance comics and she wants to know what's happening. And, and in the romance comics, it's the story of Doug and Sarah again. So there's another layer to these, to this, uh, crossed out story where, you know, the events of Doug and Sarah's life are also taking place in these weird comics. And, um, he brings her comics and he brings her chocolate and the chocolate affects her where it makes her pump out eggs uh, <laughs> at a time where she didn't think she was, it's like the alien queen. She's got this huge egg trench that, that, you know, it's, it's got a red rimmed edge and she's like, can you help me? Can you go down there and catch my eggs? And the fucker can't do it. He sees the eggs coming down and he just leaves. He leaves this and the egg smashes. And in the, in the egg, in the goop of the egg, you see this little, reptilian fetus looking thing that looks a lot like her pig that she had in the other part of the narrative and it looks like the the creature that berates doug when he we you know the when he gets to the this place it's just there's it narratives intertwine and overlap and meld and it, it's typical charles burns but it's so friggin depressing like the whole reason that um it didn't work out between Doug, well, one of the reasons it didn't work out between Doug and Sarah was she got pregnant. And he's like, well, you're going to have an abortion, right? And there's no real resolution to that until the third book, uh, where we find out that Doug has a son. I spoiled it. So spoilers. Uh, <laughs> and the cool thing about it is when, when he meets, like he goes back to, to, to talk to, to Sarah. Why would he do such a thing? She, she wants nothing to do with him. Uh, she, she was pretty much decided that he would never be any good. He can't make a decision. He, he's exactly the same person as his father is. When, um, something happens to him, the book one starts out, uh, with an event that, takes place in book three it's like there's a loop you go back to the first book and you see how that plays out and he's in you know his head is shaved because he has a really a gaping head wound that was stitched up and you find out how he got that and he's popping these uh psych meds just to just to you know function and he's you know feeling sorry for himself and you you find out why well it's speak he has a kid and uh during one of the narratives in the fantasy land, he buys a sugar skull and the sugar skull kind of looks like a day of the dead type mask. When he meets his son on Halloween, the kid has a skeleton costume on and the mask is exactly the same as the sugar skull. 
So it's these this story you're not you can blow through it really quick because there's not a whole lot of dialogue. There are a lot of panels. It's it's Charles Burns. The thing is riddled with panels, but you'll spend a lot of time just soaking in this this fantasy world and and the beautiful uh, rendering techniques that that Burns has that sawtooth shading uh, style that I love so much. Um, but the the real value in the, this trilogy is from going back and reading it again and you see how all these stories i mean it's a really simple story got boy meets girl boy gets girl pregnant boy goes off his rocker because he's fucked up because she had a kid and left him and his father was a uh, fucked up as well i mean it's not a very complex story but the way burns presents it with this fantasy world and all these weird ass creatures it distracts you from that narrative in a good way though because it keeps being reinforced in the fantasy world, their stories reinforced in the the future tense and the past tense. It's all there, but it's it's another one of those things. Much like um, God hates astronauts. Like, why can you tell God hates that someone that God hates astronauts is so great? You can't s- some brownies humor in 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 words. Well, you got to read crossed out because a lot of this stuff is felt more than described if that makes any sense it's a great little series it's again totally disturbing um there's there's very little sunshine in charles burns world but they're oversized beautifully presented hardcovers by pantheon they have a fabric spine a nice smooth cover full color and like i said charles burns he's a master his 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 Style of drawing is just so clean, but yet so disturbing. The guy is really good with shadows. And uh, a master of design, too. His creatures are fantastic. Um, would you eat something with a face? I don't know if I would. <laughs> but it Hell seems yeah. like all, it seems like all the food in this fantasy world has faces. Like they, it, it looks like sushi, but as he's picking it up, the thing is screaming because it's got this little face going, ah, like, like in the fly. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, but they're eating it. It's just totally disturbing and and um, very very unsettling. But I loved it. <laughs> Go figure, right? It's 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 not your typical comics. It's very much against the grain. And and Burns has been doing this stuff for decades. Yeah. I mean, he's one was one of the the darlings of the raw generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just adore his stuff. So uh, you, J- Jason, you read the first. Yeah, one, I was going to say I have I have this one and I have I have the hive in this one. I just haven't. Uh, I just read I read crossed out and liked it a lot. And uh, or what's the first one? I'm, am I getting them right? Crossed yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah, I read crossed, crossed out. out, and then I have the other two. I just haven't read them, but uh, but yeah, they're good stuff. Uh, I mean, Burns is a master. Yeah, I could see this series if it did have a score. It would be done by Angelo Badalamenti from uh, Twin Peaks. It, it, there's a there's a very strong. I know it's a cop out to say it's it's Lynchian, but there it, it because it, it's almost as if it plays out on another tier of reality, like much like Twin mm-hmm. Peaks. Like there's a lot of shit in Twin Peaks that is just uh, atypical. It it seems to happen in this this dream slash nightmare realm that is very fitting for um, crossed out. It's uh, and I was sure it was an abortion, man. Uh, there, I, up until even in the second book, there's a series where there, there's a sequence where there's this long pipe, mm-hmm. and and uh, Nitnit is is has to escape through the sewers, and he comes out of this and follows the long pipe, and you see this red, disgusting, 
liquid just pouring out of the pipe and in the end of the 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 I'm assuming it's blood, right? It, at, at the end of the blood, there's a there's a fetus floating in it. I'm thinking, I nailed it. It's an abortion, but it's not. It's it's totally not. Mm. Yeah, but there's a lot more to it than than I let on. It's not. I mean, the 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 birth of the boy is not a real big deal. It's more, you know, the whole the the whole journey is is worth taking. Not it's 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 not a mystery, but that was one slice of it. Really great stuff. Awesome. Yeah, and it's another one of those that you'll 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 close the cover on the third volume and and hopefully go back to the first and re-experience the story because he nests Burns nests things in in the narrative and you go back and you're like ah oh, I see now yeah okay it 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 uh, rewards with uh, successive readings sure sure yeah so there you go well done sir thanks. That's another one of my um, uh, resolutions, I guess. What for this year? I'm going to slow things down because when I when I'm into something, I get really excited and I talk really fast, mm. and I, and I fuck up a lot. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop drop the pace. You're gonna a slow bit. your roll. Yeah. All right. There you go. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be appreciated by the people who can't understand me. Who well, can't understand? I think you're, I think you're ro- very reasonably well spoken. I wouldn't worry about it. Not like you. Well, I speak very fast. You're the best, though. No, you deliver. No, 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 no. Uh, I wish I could have you. I got something that 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 I don't know if David's read yet, but I know he will be reading it. But hmm. Yes, uh, you're reading Deathstroke, dude. You're, you're all about the Deathstroke. <laughs> this is a dynamite comic, which is uh, it's an unusual thing to be talking about a dynamite comic for us. Not anymore, but yeah, I get it. And it's a comic that was uh, advertised on our show by the the main creator himself when he was a guest. Of course David has read it. I don't know if he has. I'm sure he has. What it is. I'm talking about the Dynamite Vertigo crossover Django Zorro. Yeah, he's read it. I, I, I mentioned the first two issues. You did? Yes. When? The first issue when, when it came out, um, because I talked about the soundtrack that goes along with it. Uh, oh, that's right. Issue, the second issue. I, I thought because, that was the shadow, but yeah, you're right. That's because right. it, it has, was, I, I, I talked about it after I yeah, saw right. Jago Unchained and, and in that's the second right. issue, I didn't get into it because Vince hadn't gotten it yet and I wasn't sure if, if you were getting it so, but please continue. No, but so that Vince, did you read it? I have, yeah. You read oh, the first well, two issues. Talk about it. Damn, yeah, so I'm the I'm the last one to this party. It's all good. Shit, it's okay. Huh, my brain. Buddy, I'm, getting Alzheimer's. Here. I'm, get, I'm getting Alzheimer's. I'm I'm getting early onset Alzheimer's. God, God forbid it. It's all downhill God. after forty. Yeah, I'm saying. God. Well, can you refresh me what you thought of it? Because I don't remember you talking about it. I uh, the first issue, I I I like I I I liked it. Um, I was surprised to see the older Zorro, but um. I guess with the timeline, it makes sense. And, uh, and I, I read it after I saw the movie because I wanted to see, um, if, obviously because it's, it's written by Wagner with Tarantino, um, obviously the characters in the comic are going to, should sound like the character from the movie. And, um, 
And he did. And, and I thought that that was, uh. I still haven't seen the movie. You wow. Haven't. Wow. I'm stupid. I, you know, I, uh, Renee might actually be watching the movie, which, which told me the other day I was taken aback, but, um, so yeah, so I mean, I'm really surprised you haven't seen any events, but, uh, I, I like the first issue. Um, it was, it was a really good setup issue as far as, um, you know, it, it, if, if you, even if you didn't see the movie, you know, it's still, it still worked. Obviously, Django is a bounty hunter and, and, uh, that what he was doing in this first issue and and he um the second issue is basically the um more or less a somewhat of a zoro origin but it's um we still haven't gotten to um well we know when we get to the end of the second issue we know what they're going to be doing but um no i i uh i like it a lot it's not it's it's a little bit of a um of a slow burn, I guess, because you're not um everything is being put in place. You're not you don't hit the ground running with this book. You're you're mm-hmm. everything all the pieces are getting put in place and, and I like that. Especially, you know, when I after you're reading Spider Verse or or Hickman's Avengers or uh, uh East of West, you know, after you read some books and, and they can be heavy and there's a lot going on, it, it's nice to read something where you don't have to um run along with it you can kind of catch your breath just just kind of be a um be a spectator instead of being in it right i was uh i i knew the the on the writing side would be solid sure. what with Wa- wagner and tarantino my um hesitation was with the art and i got to say this esteve poles he did a fantastic job on the issues that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, n- not only is it a period piece, but the the bulk of issue number one is basically talking heads. You you have yeah, yes, uh, yeah they're in the stagecoach you know, just yeah. in the right in the stagecoach and it's it's not there's not a boring panel in it yeah um, you know if someone could have a lesser talent could have just you know cloned uh, panels or just did uh, busts but no it's uh it's it's exciting uh well done the 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 um the clothing uh and the the uh, like the stagecoach and the the horses and the 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 Django's um outfit it's it's amazingly well done and i was really uh, i i got to stop being surprised but visually i thought it was a treat too i i think the uh we we have to stop having jay lee do covers to comics though yeah, <laughs> it's always so beautiful, and and it's I I think it's it, it it's hard it's for me to look at a, a Jay Lee T write a cover and think wow what would it, what would it look like if he did the whole issue? But I agree with you. Well, I, I think the Sestevi polls did a nice job. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow, I really I apologize. I can't remember. I, I'm baffled. I don't remember you guys talking about this. This is weird. I don't know. I must I apologize for that. But um, but I, I don't. David, you referenced that you were surprised that it was the old Zorro. So you already have a heads up on me relative to Zorro. I, I all I remember of Zorro is is those old old movies that I seemingly saw every now and then as a kid. Um, well, when I, I say, I, I mean age wise, he, he's an older dude. He's not. No, no, like, I know that's what I mean. Okay, but I, okay. I, I didn't. I, I like I don't. I I quickly gathered that this was an older Zorro, but but I didn't. That had no significance to me other than the fact that the only other Zorro I've really ever seen and committed to memory was the. Um, 
the, the, the recent Zorro remakes with, um, Antonio, Antonio, you know, okay. so, so I, 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 am I to take it that a decent chunk of, of his fictitious life in, in books and pulps and, and the old movies was as an older gentleman? Is that, is that part of his, his mythos? This isn't one of the first times we're seeing him old. I don't think it's the first time we're seeing him old. I haven't, I mean, I, I was reading, um, Zorro year one, which is of course going to be much younger Zorro. Um, and I, I haven't read a lot of Zorro in the comics or really seen any of the serials. Um, I am a big fan of Zorro the Gay Blade, but it is a, um, me too. It's <laughs> just, I can't get enough of it. Uh, it's, um, so maybe it does. I, I don't know if it, if I were to pick up you know a regular issue of of Dynamite's Zorro, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know what age Zorro would be in it. Actually, I I I'm going along thinking that this is a not quite senior citizen Zorro, but an older Zorro because of uh, Django's timeline and and, right. and where he is, and and so it just it makes it, it would have been it would have been cheating. It would not have it would have been like you know a, an IDW time warp Star Trek special if if it was a a, a in his prime Django meeting a younger Zorro. So um, I, I guess as far as keeping it. Um, uh, real it it would have to be and and even then he's still it's not like because he's older that uh he's uh he's a slouch he uh he still gets the job done so um i i'd be curious you know i i do if anything it's it's made me want to finish reading um year one because i'm a few issues away from finishing that but i do want to read just like i want to read andy's um lone ranger stuff i do want to read some of some of wagner's some of matt's Zorro, just to get an idea of, you know, what he's like without the origin and, um, and without a, a team up crossover, which it, it, it's weird that, um, it, it's a crossover with, with DC's Vertigo. I, I just, I, I didn't know. That is strange, right? I didn't know Vertigo was doing a, a Django book, but, or had the rights to it, but, um, yeah. They did an adaptation of the uh, movie. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think Dennis Cowan did it, I think. Oh, okay. You're probably right. Um, so, uh, yeah, so do I, I do want to see more of, of, um, I want to see more Zorro now actually, but I, I'd like to see if, uh, if this is par for the course or if this is just a later story and, and the main bulk of, of his dynamite work is, is, uh, in his prime in his twenties and thirties, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I, I thought it was great. Uh, you know, I think definitely, as you know, from our talks with the, with the movie, I, I'm a, I was a big fan of the film. Um, probably more so than, than, than you. Well, you were pleasantly surprised by it, I think, but I was, yes. Yeah, but you were reluctant at first. Um, Absolutely. I, I adored the hell out of the film. Uh, I thought it read reasonably faithful to the, the film, although it lacks the, it, it lacks the, uh, on the nose, uh, Tarantino. I know this is theoretically co-written by Tarantino and, and we know from when Matt Wagner was on the show that, that, that he, he and Quentin collaborated quite directly on the book, but I, I didn't, I felt like this was a, uh, this felt more like Matt Wagner writing Django in, in the spirit of Django than it felt like Tarantino's Django. It wasn't his, um, in your face, it wasn't as uh, clever 
which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, that's, that's Tarantino. That's, I think one of those reasons that people love or hate him is that he has this very distinctive, um, way to, that he handles dialogue and it's very clever and, and, uh, and, and that bothers some people for some others like myself. I love it. So I, I, I thought it was fine enough. I don't think anything in this comic hearkened to, um, go against anything we saw in the film, but, uh, it, it, it was, he came across to me as a more conventional Western anti-hero, right? I, I didn't, I, I just, I didn't get as much sense of of what makes him distinctive um which i think when you watch a tarantino film uh it it, it always they always strike me as very distinctive um there's nothing else really like them so um but it but i dug it i dug it i i i, I think vince is right the art is quite good i i would say though um all things being equal i would i would much rather read a matt wagner book that he also illustrates i think um because I do love his work, and I think when he's doing both, it, it's it's that much better. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm down with this. I, I I'll keep going. I, I, you know, the first issue was cool. Like you said, a lot of talking. Um, I don't know much about Zorro. I certainly don't know much about the older version of Zorro. So clearly, we're setting up for a big showdown with the Archduke of Arizona, which is cool. And uh, yeah, so I'll uh, I'll keep going on it. Which is uh, you know I got to give Dynamite credit here. I, I, they're they're a tough sell for me usually. So. So uh hats off to him on this one. I uh you know what I'll um I'll join in on the uh on the dynamite love then. Uh actually it's a uh it's a dynamite and um IDW crossover. Uh no, no it is not. I apologize because I'm looking at the cover <laughs> right now. It is not dynamite. So forget that. It is it's it's IDW and boom. Studios. Boom! Ooh. Here comes the boom. It's uh, it's it's cleverly. The story is cleverly called the Primate Directive. This is uh, Star Trek and Planet of the Apes. Oh, Rhett, you got to read that before me. Damn it! Uh, this is uh, this is Trek 1.0. This is the uh, the original seven. Uh, it's so it's not your um, Abrams verse Star Trek. It's not the Next Generation. Um, I don't know how much you'll like the first issue, Vince. You'll like the first oh. couple of pages, and you'll probably like the last page. Um, ape not kill ape. It's uh, but it is. All I know. It's um, it the art is is pretty good actually. I'm I'm uh, and I mean that's not you know whether J.K.'s doing the art on the Star Trek stuff or uh, um, you have you have some. Good artists on, uh, on the Star Trek crossovers. This is actually done by a, uh, Rachel Stott, S-T-O-T-T. It is written by the Tiptons, Scott and David Tipton, um, colored by Charlie Kirchhoff and lettered by Tom B. Lang. The coloring, the Kirk's and, uh, and Sulu's and, and Chekhov shirts are, they are very, um, yellowish gold more so than than you would expect to see i think so the coloring is is very um bright and um but aside from that it, it we um we get a uh we get sulu and uhuru and uh undercover as klingons um the whole thing is the it, things move pretty quickly in this first issue um and we start off with a um with a uh, general marius um 
talking to a man in shadows and this man is uh has given the general um automatic rifles that uh that basically um they uh they shoot hundreds of rounds um in uh in seconds in 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 minutes um 600 rounds a minute so yeah, the general's impressed with the weapons, uh, but then we cut to um, elsewhere, which is uh, where Sulu and Yuhura are um, undercover at the uh, accessing some Klingon data banks. They um, make it back to the Enterprise, and we find out that uh, the Klingons are actually working on this other dimensional technology, and uh, and so the Enterprise watches it in action uh the klingons attack and we um kirk gets the go ahead to um uh follow through um through this wormhole through through, through this rift through this portal and uh and so they do and when they get there we find out that uh it's it they end up orbiting earth uh, it is a, uh, it's the year 3978, which is the future from, uh, from, from Kirk's era. Uh, but it is not a, um, a, as Spock is reading off his notes, it's not, uh, it, it, things have, uh, they haven't followed the same timeline. Things are very different in this future. Um, so there is no federation. There is no, um, there is no, uh, all this peace and love going on down below but they um they decide to uh get down to earth and the uh the klingon core who's been on uh the old series uh he's involved and it, and it ends rather abruptly and um and and i'm looking forward to the next issue the next issue if that's the cover i don't know if that's the cover of the panel but uh it looks like it's kirk has been um knocked down uh, to his knees, the Statue of Liberty, which was the huge spoiler from the poster from the first movie, uh, in the background and standing over Kirk is a, uh, very shirtless Charlton Heston. So, um, I was going to ask you if it was, uh, I mean, I can, I could have checked by the date you gave me, but I was going to ask you if it was pre or post Taylor. Uh, it is, um, it says, let's see, he says, uh, according to planetary erosion factors, the year is 3978, uh, the future of a different universe based on a comparison to the ship's planetary records. This earth appears to be identical to our own. However, by observing the degree of atmospheric degradation, degradation and, uh, the lack of familiar historical advancement at key moments in its past, its timeline must have diverged from that of ours uh let's see there was no um uh there was uh, if there was a third world war there are signs a nuclear war has taken place at some point in its earth's past as well um only there was no recovery that eventually led to the birth of the federation so i'm i'm going to um i i've only seen the first planet of the apes maybe once or twice uh, I know, Dave. I know, and, and you're, and you're going to, um, disown me because I, I don't know how many of the sequels I've seen or 
how many even in their entirety. So I, I'm not so well versed on the, on the old, um, older movies. Uh, so this, this will kind of be a learning experience for me. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, go ahead. We know in issue number two, what's going to happen. Taylor's going to try and get Kirk to join the NRA. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> he's got the rifle. Uh, but put put a put a sticker on the Enterprise. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to send you a picture. I saw a car that uh, we went to go see the 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 last. That's so sad. The last Hobbit movie. Um, and there was a car who had a uh, which that had a bumper sticker on it, and and I meant to send it to you because it's it's fitting. But I'll tell you about that later. But no, I thought the uh, I I didn't know what to expect. It's a um, it, it's it's yet another Star Trek crossover uh, with with another property, be it um, Doctor Who or the Legion of Superheroes or, or what have you. Um, but this was, uh, th- I think this this kind of makes sense. It, it's, it's not really two properties that you expect to see together, and it as far as setting it up, I mean, with with the Enterprise going to the uh planet of the apes territory instead of vice versa i i think i just think yeah obviously it makes sense it it i think it makes sense to have uh the original crew the 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 1.0 version do this and not the uh the newer crew or even the next generation I, i just think that uh the the technology the way the technology looks in the older series and and um and the way they speak, it's just, they were pretty much running at the same time. So it, uh, it, right. it just, it, it makes a lot more sense for it to, to go down this road. And, and I mean, IDW is basically putting out Star Trek books from all points of, um, various timelines and, and, and versions and, and, uh, it, but they use the right ones, I think, with, with, uh, when they're pairing them up with, with other properties. And, uh, so I, I, I was, I'm, I don't know if I'd say pleasantly surprised. I mean, I, I, it, it's Star Trek, so I kind of go in with high hopes and, and I wasn't, I wasn't disappointed. So I, uh, if, if you like either, you, you might get a kick out of this. Although if you do like Planet of the Apes, I don't know how much, uh, you'll get out of this first issue. Uh, cause it, it, it's very Star Trek heavy. Well, that's cool. But I mean, any, any kind of crossover with Star Trek is going to be fun. True. To some, to some degree, especially when you have, uh, the original series. Yes. It, it would have been a hard sell for me if if uh, Picard was. Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. He Make would, it yeah. so. <laughs> it, would, yeah. it would have been a little weird. Yeah. But I agree with you. 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 I think you nailed it. The both of these properties uh, were around the same time, so it fits. Yeah. 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 I mean, our our time wise. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The 60s, 70s, and it's. I mean, and it's. It's not. It was, I don't know when in their five year mission this is, but it's, it's, uh, um, you know, so it's not the horrible motion picture version or, or the, um, the red overcoat movie versions. It's, it, it's perfect for the TV show version, I think. I, I, I like it. Yeah. You should really get in on the, the Planet of the Apes movie. I probably will. First one is a, is a stone cold classic. It must be because it's on Turner Classic Movies sometimes. Yeah. The second battle is good. 
you can skip the last, uh, I mean, Beneath is, is the second one. That's, that's very good too. James Franciscus is in that one. Um, you can skip the last one. Battle is a horrible, horrible film. Really? Well, what makes that one horrible yeah, versus the others? It's just terrible. It's, the, 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 the franchise was running out of gas. The money was dwindling. With every sequel, they got less and less money to produce them. And, um, you'll see the same treehouse blow up in, in <laughs> battle about, no, about six times. Awesome. Probably awesome. more. See, I would yeah, think you love that. Just, you would love that about it. It's like a trauma movie. That one, say, that one sequence where the car does the flip over the uh, over the car okay. over the other car. They use that in almost every trauma <laughs> movie where they did the the treehouse. You see, oh, there's that same treehouse blowing up, same angle, same mm-hmm. damn footage. But uh, Paul Williams is in uh, Battle for the Planet That's of the awesome. Apes. Yeah, it's not a great film. No. Now I I did, and I I'm sure this will have my card revoked but i i did see the burton planet of the apes movie it was okay i i, I didn't it, yeah. i didn't detest it it, it was all right but um the uh the newer ones rise and and what is uh what is dawn it? yeah they're great i did yeah I, I i liked rise when i saw i didn't i sadly i it was I caught it while it was on. I was channel surfing and doing other things. So it's, it's like the version that's on FX. So I, I have seen, um, most of it. Uh, but I do want to see, um, Dawn, that, that, that looks good. Yeah. But to free, um, if you're going to watch any of them, watch the first one okay. and then, and then beneath and then you can just pick and choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Let's check the clock. Oh, we still got time. Jason, what do you, what else you have? Um, well, you guys know that I have generally been a big, uh, Carol Danvers fan. Uh, yeah. and read, read most of her st- comics from even way back in the day. Always liked her as a character. Uh, although you haven't heard me talk much about her in the last few years. Um, and that's because I guess it was 2012. Uh, they relaunched her book. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed the, 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 there was a, the Miss Marvel series up to that point, I I enjoyed quite a bit and it went on for a long time. It was, it was a five, six year run series and then they rebooted it and they put, um, Mrs. Fraction, Kelly Sue DeConnick on the book. And this is one of her first, if not the first ongoing series that she was given at Marvel after doing that SIF one shot and a few other things. Um, and I was on board with that. I was, that, that was cool. Cause, cause again, I, I, I do like the character enough that I'm generally very open to, um, any interpretation of her. But to be fair, um, the art, which was by a gentleman named Dexter Soy just completely turned me off. And I was, it was one of those series that I was pre-ordering the issues just for the sake of it and probably bought the entire series, but, but stopped reading it after uh, maybe three issues because it just didn't, the art just did nothing for me. Um, and this month on Marvel Unlimited, the digital comics thing, they are, it's, it's, it's Carol Danvers month. So they were, um, that reminded me of the fact that I had never gone back and read that series. And it seems to be 
at least my perception was that that while I didn't like the art from Dexter, it seems this was the series that you could argue put Kelly Sue on the map, right? It seems like this was the the Carol core and and it and and this this bevy of new female readers, and this is really what propelled her to her current status as one of the more influential female creators uh, in the business. So I thought, okay, you know what? I've always liked the character. Let me let me go back and uh, and give the series a reread. So I did that. So I, I reread the entirety of the of the Deconic, um, uh, Captain Marvel series. And I really feel this is one of those books where I feel like I'm completely disconnected from the rest of comicdom because if you were to go and just do some reviewing or, or just, just Google the series, most people were fans of the Dexter soy issues and then completely eviscerated the Felipe Andrade issues when he took over the series and i could not be more of a mirror image of that <laughs> to me the dexter story issues are wholly and completely uninspiring I, I don't find them appealing at all but when andrade took over i thought it was phenomenal cartooning i, I think andrade is an absolute beast in the making um and 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 not coincidentally he he has he went from doing that series to a couple of other runs. Then he was doing Figment, which has gotten a lot of critical acclaim. Uh, you know, the, the Disney character, the dragon Figment. And he's now, um, starting with the December issue, with issue seven, is drawing Rocket Raccoon that Scotty's writing. So he's taking over for Scotty, Scotty on art duties. And, uh, not surprisingly, Scotty mentioned that, that he, when he got the pages in for issue number seven, that he thought this was one of the best comic issues illustrated ever in the history. So Scotty's a big fan of Felipe as well. So, so I, so first and foremost to those of you that have read the series, uh, if you're in the consensus, I don't get you. <laughs> like I don't get how you could have looked at the story <laughs> stuff and thought awesome and then seen the Andrade stuff and it turned you off to the point where you stopped reading the book. Cause that's seemingly what happened. Sales kind of fell off once Andrade took over and a lot of people were critical of him. And I just do not understand that. To me, Andrade's in that Paul Pope, you know, uh, metal hurlant, heavy metal, European, very slick, linear, ion flux look. And while I realize that that's a far cry from a Frank Cho or, or, um, or Terry Dodson, Carol Danvers, I think it works just fine. I think it's still sexy and, and powerful and, uh, well suited to, to, to action sequences. So I, I'm, I'm fully on board with Andrade. So if you're listening to this and you're anti Andrade, then you're just going to think I'm nuts because I think that his, his issues were the saving grace of the series. Um, but ultimately the, um, you know, DeConnick definitely made a, 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 a female centric book in the sense that the vast majority of the supporting characters are also women. And, and, and I, I guess kudos to her for that. But I guess I felt like the book was, and I know there's going to be people throwing shit at their at their iPads or iPods when they listen to this. I thought it was too female centric. Like I thought it was female centric for the sake of being female centric. Like every character in the book was female. Her mentor, her supporting cast, her assistant, and I, I, again, I, I you know may, maybe I'm just not seeing the forest of the trees because. There are so few books that, that are that female centric and maybe that is what the market needed. But to me, it was, uh, it was a hit or miss series to me. It, the first arc 
Carol is essentially, we really look into her history as a, a pilot, right? Which is a totally fair thing to do. And we're introduced to uh, a, an older woman who is essentially her, her mentor, Heron. She's this tough as nails woman. And through a, um, uh, through a time travel adventure, um, Carol is thrust back to the point when she was first made into Miss Marvel, which uh, you guys probably know, but for sake of our listeners, Jan Rog, who was a Kree warrior and an enemy of Captain Marvel, the original um, Marvel, um, is he, he's, he has a, a weapon that essentially allows people to think uh, to give, be given a superpower that matches their thoughts uh, and imbues them with that power. And he is, um, this, this, this device explodes through a battle between, uh, himself and Marvel and, and the, the energy from the explosion imbues Carol Danvers with, with Captain Marvel's powers. Um, so this, this revisits why she got those powers and, and ties it into her history as a, as a pilot and her desire to, to fly and to be, um, you know, powerful and heroic and be able to save the day. And, and, uh, and, and I thought that part was well done. Um, she, she is essentially kind of pulled into this world where at one point she's on an alternate earth, World War II, where the, the Japanese have Cree technology at their disposal. And so she teams up with a group of female freedom fighters. And they have to battle these Kree machines and these Japanese pilots. Um, so all of that was, was groovy enough. You know, that for, I think she, Dakonic handled the time travel well. I like that she tied it back into her origin and, and presents a point where something happens during this moment, which almost rewrites history, where her mentor, um, this older woman, um, steals the, the Captain Marvel powers too. And because of singularity, only one of them can make it out of this 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 reality with the powers, um, and I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying Carol makes it out because the book goes on and Carol continues to be Miss Marvel. So, so uh, but she she ends up getting the powers. Then the book takes a little bit of a hiatus where she's back on Earth and she has a run in, then team up with Monica Rambeau, the other Captain Marvel. And it's a little, it's, it's a little clever. Um, essentially, Rambeau takes issue with the fact that, that Danvers is calling herself Captain Marvel and that she didn't ask her her permission or to let her know first. And then Carol, Carol's like, well, wait a minute. You, why the hell would I ask you for permission? You, you called yourself Captain Marvel because of Marvel. Like, it's not your name, you know? And she's like, uh, you know, speaking from someone who's been Photon and, and Quasar and, you know, and so they have a little thing, but basically, uh, uh, Rambo needs Danvers help because a bunch of ships are going missing off the coast of Louisiana and she needs her help with this. And so they, they, they team up on, Finding out what happens and then battling the force that, uh, that's involved. And, and that's fine, but it's essentially a breather. It's, to me, it was a bridge epi- a few issues after this longer time travel arc. Uh, and then we're presented with the Andrade issues, which to me are from a artistic standpoint, by far the strongest, but from a storytelling standpoint, uh, kind of left me disinterested. Um, and again, I'll, I'll spoil here. It's three-year-old comics, and and the status quo has already been been fixed, if you will. So I, I so I don't think I'm 
giving up much, but, but Carol loses her ability to fly because she's a brain tumor. But somehow or another, because of her powers, they, the neurologist says that they can't give her an MRI and a CAT scan. So he just guesses that this is what's going on. And, wow. and again, like you could say, okay, well, whatever, but that doesn't make a lot of sense in the Marvel world, right? Where like, couldn't, couldn't they just have her scanned? Couldn't read Richard's scanner or couldn't they find a cream machine? To, you know what I mean? Like there's a million ways they yeah. could have scanned her. I, I don't, yeah. so it's like Obamacare wouldn't come. Yeah. So, so, so whatever, but, but she loses her power of flight. Which again is a big part of what makes her her, not just because of, from a superpower perspective, but because she's a pilot. So, uh, you know, whatever, that's fine, but it gets, I, I felt like in the first arc, DeConnick sets up Danvers as this real badass. This, this soldier, this military woman that, 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 uh, that rises above the, the male driven world with which she came out of and, and does it really well and is very independent and strong-willed and then kind of reverses all of that with this whole brain tumor thing and becomes a woe is me thing and and I don't know I just felt like it was a total reversal of her characterization and I just don't find it generally very interesting to read stories about heroes that are impaired by something in a world where they have these magical powers it's just hard for me to to stomach because number one it, it it's a downer, and number two, uh, unless they're planning on killing her off, you know it's going to be fixed eventually anyway. So the long and the short of it is, I I I guess because I'm not a young woman, I don't connect with the deconic, uh Captain Marvel vision. That but clearly clearly she hit on something because she created a whole new breed of people oh, who yeah. love this character. Carol that's Core, a, yeah. yeah, and that's an awesome thing. So I, I don't so so more. More power to her for that. That's great that she accomplished that, and, and and has seemingly built this character up to 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 a point where she's arguably more popular than she's ever been. But for me, uh, the series was just another series, really. Um, just not not really anything that I'm particularly enamored with, other than the Andrade art, which which as I've said several times now, seemingly was the thing that most people didn't like about the series. So. Uh, this is just one of those mirror image books where I'm, I'm seeing the, the series in a much different way than most people. Um, but I love the character. I love Carol Danvers. I think she's great in the Avengers. I've always lo- liked her a lot and, in all of her forms, you know, whether it be binary or whatever. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll continue to give series involving her a try, but, um, but I think my initial instinct to not stick with that particular run, um, was probably the right one. So. Respect. No need to go bin diving. If you do have the digital comics initiative like Dap and I do, though, you can read it for free right now. Yes. Oh. Hey, maybe you should revisit Pretty Deadly. Maybe you'll, you know, stop your begging. Any- I do have a, um, I do have a dynamite <laughs> book actually. Oh. Or dynamite co, co done, because, um, dynamite. I did, I mentioned it briefly. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll continue and, and, uh, so I don't look, so silly from an hour ago. Um, the Grendel versus Shadow final issue. Um, that, uh, that, well, like Mimetic, it kind of ended the way, um, it, it, it kind of had to wrap up. And, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, some of it reminded me a little bit of, of JLA Avengers, how once that story ended, um, both teams, went on their merry way and, and, uh, except for, um, Busiek's, uh, JLA 
run where he referenced the, uh, the event, uh, because Corona and the egg, um, that, that I think that's the only reference post crossover that, uh, that was ever done. Um, it, it makes sense that Hunter wouldn't reference his time in, in, uh, 1930s New York City. And, um, and I don't, and it's not like anybody forgot anything really. It's just, uh, it, it's one of those things where, um, both characters learned from the experience and, uh, there really isn't anything from the past that, that Hunter had a hand in that, um, caused any ripples, uh, or changed the future or even his future. Uh, there's just, once you get back to the present day or at least present day for Hunter, which is the 1980s, uh, we go back to black, white, and red. Uh, so the only color is during the shadows era, the, um, and there was a story with shadows, um, female companion with, with, with Marlo and she was getting ready to leave, um, Lamont because of how he was treating her and, and how, um, standoffish she can be. And, and she just wants to feel needed. And, and that was resolved. Um, I thought it, it, it was a really interesting, it was a really good story. Um, I mean, it's, it's Hunter Rose Grendel, so I really can't, uh, be displeased with that. And I haven't read a ton of Shadow, but this, uh, this definitely felt like the character, sounded like the character. Uh, the last, the last page mentions, uh, which I think I did mention this before, where he, uh, really the only person that there was a character that Hunter was, um, attracted to and felt he could trust while he was in the past. Uh, and when that came back to bite him in the ass, when he was back to his present, he, um, he was talking about the people in his life and, and how there is one person in particular who he knows he can trust. And that would be Stacy. And, uh, which if you know more of Hunter Rose, you, you, you realize how, uh, silly that ends up being. But, I, um, if, if we are going to give kudos to Dynamite, then I'll, uh, I'll join in and, uh, say the, uh, the Dynamite Dark Horse crossover with, with Grendel versus Shadow was, uh, definitely one of the good points. And a really well put together book too with the Baxter, uh, yes, binding and, and, and all that. So yeah, really nicely done. What is it? Perfect bound? Is that what they call that? I was just gonna say it was like a Dark Knight prestige format. Yeah, it's, I think they call it Perfect Bound, right, Vince? When it's uh, all yep, squared, back. everything. Yeah, squared, yeah. squared back. Yeah, really nicely done. It is perfect. That's actually next on my pile, David. Cool. So in in like a week or two, when I say I want to talk about this and ask you if you've read it, don't right. Be oh no, don't even say. You just be like, yo, I don't know why you guys haven't talked about this. Yeah, yet. that's what I'm gonna do. Cool. Right. <laughs> and I'll and I'll finally talk about Deathstroke number three for Vince. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Uh, if you hop on over to Bleeding Cool, uh, just to continue some of the dynamite love, they're doing, uh, they're finally releasing examples of the pages from the King books, the Phantom, mm-hmm. uh, and Schoonover's Phantom. Can't looks, wait. Looks Can't incredible. Wait. It looks incredible. Um, but they also, uh, recently did some preview pages for Jungle Jim and Flash Gordon. Uh, I'm confident now. 
and I'm happy that I pre-ordered these things. I think we paid for issues one and two already. I think that's right. Uh, of, of, of all the series, but, uh, now I, I have no hesitation of pre-ordering the nice. rest of the, yeah, so good stuff. Um, and you can get these books at our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can pre-order your books and get a hefty freaking discount, sometimes up to, gee, 70% off. You get them delivered right to your door. You don't have to move a muscle other than to type on your keyboard. Um, they don't mind late orders. They don't mind order additions. And you get your previews dirt cheap. And also, do not forget about Valiant because they're coming on strong. We got the Valiant first look uh, at Comics Plus, Made Fire, Comicsology, and DriveThroughComics.com. And do not forget about the Valiant because it is the awesome sauce. And I'm going to roll in your travels with the Valiant, love. Uh, this is called a Valiant $1 Debut. It is, uh, Jason's going to love this. It is the Valiant version of the Ohatmu. It's called the Valiant Universe Handbook. Yep. And it's only a dollar. Uh, it has, uh, official handbook of the Marvel Universe style, uh, entries on, uh, XO, of course, um, Unity. Let's see, the Eternal Warrior, Ninjak, Livewire, Toyo Harada. He gets two pages. Uh, David's favorite, Pete Stanchek and the Renegades. Oh, yes! <laughs> yes! Hardcore is in here. Generation Zero. Bloodshot gets two pages, uh, appropriately enough. The, the Bleeding Monk. The Smoking Hot Ass K. McHenry, a.k.a. the Geomancer. Geomancer. Archer and Armstrong. General Redacted, and it's really funny. His page is all redacted. Like, you'll get like one word, and there's a, the rest of the line is all blacked out. And there's a couple other words, and a whole paragraph's blacked out. It's funny shit. Uh, Dr. Mirage, Shadow Man, Master Dark, Quantum and Woody, uh, Derek Henderson, aka the goats in here, and the book that I think leads the charge at Valiant. Uh, I think it's a pretty, it's a landmark work, uh, visually and story-wise. It is, uh, Rye by Clayton Crane and Matt Kent, uh, and Smart on Valiant's part. The back pages are just riddled with what should you read? If you like these characters, here's what you should read. Perfect. Here's what, here's what we have published. Synopsis well of cool. all the books. Yeah, it is. And it's only a dollar. So, oh, uh, check. Check out the Valiant Universe Handbook. Great stuff. It's I have I still haven't finished reading it, and I'm I must have about four four hours into it. Mm. Just, wow. There's a lot of text. Yeah, that's a meaty I, read. I read slow though, so there you go. Now is it is it like Marvel Saga where they take panels and tell a story, or is it like the Who's Who or the Ohatmu where it's no, it's, it's like just, an encyclopedia. Right, it's just like the Ohatmu. Okay. You'll, you'll get, um, uh, a painting of the character, then possibly a double page, a significant it, double page from the comic. So is, is, is each character painted by or drawn by the same artist throughout? No. Or do they no. take it from actual issues and then just super no, these, repurpose them for this? Yeah, these uh, cover images. Okay. Or, or, you know, splashes from the gotcha. books. So, so yeah, these are previously, uh, published images, but all, all together like this, you get a nice spread of just the magnificent art that's, right. that's 
but and, and, and something like this, the, the art isn't the selling feature. The art's not what you're, you're, you're not looking to complete your run of, of a certain artist by buying this. You want information on the characters. So that's, that's right, smart. The, the cover is unique. So oh, cool. you rest, rest assured the valiant collectors, they scooped this issue. I'm, sh- I'm sure there was more than one cover. I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm knowing always- valiant. Yeah, there's got to be more than one cover on this thing. Like, we'll show you how to do it, Dynamite. Uh, okay. My in your travels. Uh, with one hand we caress and with the other hand we slap. Nice <laughs> uh, hey, Dynamite got some love this week. Chillax. They did. That's what I'm saying. Um, the, uh, this isn't Deathstroke number three. This is actually, uh, Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement Logistics Division. Ah. This is Shield number one. Not Agents of Shield, but Shield number one. This is, uh, this is basically, um, Putting your favorite characters from uh, the television show, Marvel's Agents of Shield, in the Marvel Universe. Uh, this is uh, this is written by Mark Wade, which is fitting. Uh, pencils by Carlos Pacheco, uh, Mariano Taibo with Jason Paz is uh, are your anchors, and um, Dono Almara is your colorist who. Um, there's some missteps as far as the coloring goes. Uh, but the, uh, the art is, it's good Pacheco. It's not, um. Pacheco, that boggles my mind. It's good Pacheco. It's good Pacheco. It's, it's, it's not Avengers Forever awesome Pacheco. Okay. But it's, it's not his return to Marvel and doing some Ultimate Universe stuff, Pacheco. It's better than that. No, no. Is, is it tech heavy? Or is it just like, uh, ordinary everyday human beings running around? No, it's, it's a little both. Uh, because you have Colson, you have Fitz, you have Simmons, you have, uh, May, and you have the Avengers and Valkyrie and, and Black. Oh, May. okay. Uh, because you, um, Jason, we're going to say something? No, I was going to ask you a question about the book, but, uh, in terms of you, so, so you said it's it's taking the characters from the TV show, but does that is this then an alternate universe, or is this a six one six? Is this? I'm thinking, I'm thinking this is the six one six because this could be, this could be the Phil Coulson in. I haven't read a lot because I haven't read. Um, I'm not up to date on Secret Avengers. There are a lot of Phil Coulson stories in the six one six. I haven't read. Okay. So I don't know if you read it. I don't, you, you'll tell me if this feels like the same character. This feels like the dude from the TV show and the movies. Well, I guess the one that really has me curious is, is with what we know of Sky now. Is Sky in this book? No. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, but they do mention the Fantastic Four and the X-Men, which of course aren't Marvel Studios properties. Um, so they're obviously playing with the Marvel Universe and, and they're, they're setting it up. You're, you're introduced to Phil Coulson at, uh, at age nine, at age 18, uh, at age 25 when he, uh, is that, is, is a data analyst for Shield. Uh, but it's all about him basically writing his own OHOP moves. Anytime a superhero does anything, he, uh, he writes it down in his notebook and he, um, he, he 
is going through. He's got little flashcards, little index cards with with uh, you know Submariner and the Patriots. So he's talking about the Golden Age stuff. There's a uh, there's one of the early fights between Hulk and Thing, um, and uh, in his notes he's uh, he's talking about he's writing out how you know it looks like when the matter Hulk gets the stronger Hulk gets and mm-hmm. maybe cross reference uh gamma ray research with um Dr. Banner. And then, you know, he, he jots down a few things from Iron Man's armor and then he's asking, you know, in question with a question mark, is it Tony Stark's bodyguard? They're never seen together. And, um, they, uh, there's a, a, um, a code seven that shield is responding to Omega flight is, uh, Taking out Baltimore. And, nice. And, uh, and, and so, so. <laughs> all over this book. <laughs> only, it's, only it's Jason a wind balloon, get ex- but still. Excited so about Omega so, so, That's uh, awesome. So Dum Dum is, is telling Colson, you know, listen, we gotta go hit the bricks and, and take care of this cause, uh, Omega Flight's in town, but you see that, uh, Colson is syncing data to a mobile device and he says Diamond Lil, aka Lillian Crawley. Um, mm. Uh, force field, uh, flashback, aka Gardner Monroe can build field army of future selves, uh, wild child and smart Alex. So he's, he's basically, he's basically, oh he's, he's jotting down, you know, he's, 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 he's <laughs> keeping reference on everybody. Then there's a, um, then there's something that happened a year ago where Colson was, um, held prisoner and tortured and he was, um, and you see him muttering, uh, then Cypher, then Warlock, then X-23. No, no, Phantom X and, and EVA. And, and then you see May breaking down the door and, and then, uh, and he keeps saying, then, then X-23, Hope, Frenzy, Legion. So someone, so, so one of the people in one of the field agents are like, well, what the hell is he, he mumbling about? And, um, you know, th- this is like a list of names or these his favorite X-Men. And, and May says, no, Agent Billis, it's all of them in exact order in which they join the team mm. from memory because that's what kept Colson focused and occupied. And it's what kept him alive while, uh, he was held prisoner. Then they show him at one of things poker games where, um, he basically takes everybody's money again but you see he's got little crib notes on his hand and he talks about how basically giving out everybody's flares like captain marvel nostrils flare um luke cage scratches uh his face and um and this is where some of the lettering gets a little uh off but i think beast squints but um basically it's just it this the gist of it is that colson is aware of uh of what his universe is entails and, and, and basically constantly updates that information every chance he gets, basically letting you know that he is the best at, at what he does when it comes to, um, being prepared and, and knowing how to organize and, and who to put in what positions. And, and, uh, there's this huge thing where, um, this militia ends up with, uh, actually this, this, this extremist ends up with, um, Heimdall's sword. And, uh, and, but is it really Heimdale? And, uh, that's when some of the other heroes show up and, uh, it's, it's a huge, huge battle, but the, uh, you, you are kind of getting Coulson and May and, and Fitzsimmons in, um, in the 616. And I don't, I'm going to call it the 616. It doesn't feel like a, an alternate, telling or or a movie universe story it's um it i i again i don't know how it'll 
play out. And it doesn't, you know, there's no axis fallout. There's no, uh, it, it's not, it, it's kind of, it, it's weird that it's, it's coming out with the second season halfway through it, it. I don't know if the time is right for a book like this, but it doesn't, it's not tied into anything else Marvel is doing. It doesn't, I don't think this will be affected by, by secret wars or anything like that. Uh, there is an ongoing story because of, uh, what Coulson finds in this issue and he's not familiar with it. And, and that's something that, you know, when, when Coulson finds something that he, he doesn't know anything about, uh, it, it's troubling to other people because he's someone who's supposed to know everything. There's a, um, a little comic strip by Joe Casada about Fitz and Henry and Henry is an acronym and Henry is a, uh, basically a holographic monkey. Um, and, and while Fitz is, uh, running these tests the monkey keeps talking about how yeah seriously dude colson lives like how is that possible that doesn't that like just weird you out a little bit like how could colson still be alive so this is something i don't know where these strips originally came from but again this is something that would have been relevant about a year ago because mm-hmm. he died in a movie and we had him in the show but still i thought the first issue the meat of it i thought was um was pretty fun i i enjoyed the show so it was neat seeing um the uh the characters on the page and interacting with um the avengers and and everybody um and kind of fleshing out colson giving him some backstory and and if you are a a fan of um of the the more trivial things and finding out you know just how somebody would interact or or just um be aware of his surroundings, I, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a, it's a pretty cool issue and, and have, which is why I think somebody like Wade is, is kind of perfect for that because he can pull that little minutiae out of his butt and, and apply it to Coulson and it'll make sense. It'll fit into the rest of Marvel continuity without needing to retcon anything or slide it in between panels. It, it, it works. I, I really dug it. I think, um, I, and I, believe it came out this week so i check it out sounds awesome i really was planning on skipping that completely because i just assumed it was going to be um like the uh that that avengers book where where you oh avengers assemble yeah which just tracks the movie versions and and i just thought this was going to be the tv versions but if they're if if they're trying to tie it into the marvel u that's pretty dope I, i i am curious though with what we know now about sky and who she actually is or who who i i'm curious if they if they tie that into the comic, because that the, the the character as we know her is pretty fully formed in the comic world already, you know what yes. I'm saying? Yes, yes. So yes, I'm yes. trying not to spoil it for those that haven't seen the, the <laughs> season finale of the show. But but we find out who Sky really is, and and uh, and she is someone that that exists in the comic world already. Yeah. So, um, but but obviously coming from a much different place because we, we we're introducing her. She's she she's the she is the person she is in the show in the comic, but but we have come to know her in the comic in a much different way already. Um, yes. So, so I'd be curious, but I'm on this. I mean, dude, Omega Flight, but Chico Omega Flight art sounds like something I need to own. Actually. No, 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 don't, don't, don't get, don't get, get it. You don't, you don't see them fight. Oh, you just, you just see Dugan let let Colson know. Listen, we got to beat feet. Oh, and then so you don't right. see you don't see that happen unfortunately all right all right it's just still all right though I'm glad you clarified though yeah no i didn't want you to get busted all right it sounds like perfect mark wade it does it really does yeah. sound like something he, yeah. he's he's ideal for that's true 
Well, in your travels, I'm going to throw a shout out to another all time great Marvel writer, creator, Mr. Walt Simonson. Mm. And this is another IDW book. Look at us talking about all the other publishers this, this week. Uh, it's Ragnarok. I talked about the first issue when it came out. And this is a very odd book, right? Because it's Simonson doing Norse mythology comics for IDW. <laughs> like it's, it's a, it's, I'm not quite sure what to make of, of it. If, if there's, if there's some kind of subtext here in terms of Walt wanting to tell a story in the Thor universe that he never got a chance to, or, um, and I guess we'll find that out as the series progresses, but I really dug the first issue and the first issue as a reminder was essentially a band of, of, of beings, um, kind of like Fellowship of the Ring style, uh, are come together with the lead being a female dark elf. Um, who is leading them to a tomb where they plan on raiding the tomb for uh, tons and tons of Asgardian gold? And when they and the 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 first issue ends where you they walk into the throne room and there is a skeletal uh, being uh, on the throne and uh, you're not sure who it is although again you're you're assuming it's either Odin or Thor just because it's pretty clear it's the uh, king of the of the of the Norse gods. Um so in this issue we pick up right where we left off and and um well as we know um by the title Ragnarok refers to the end of 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 days for the gods the but if you also know your mythology you know that Ragnarok uh is is an end but also a precursor to a beginning because the gods are on an infinite cycle so as they all die they are then reborn. And, uh, we get glimpses of that process in this issue. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, 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 it's just an, it's an odd duck, you know, the, 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 it, it's Simonson playing in a, in a, in a realm that, that he's arguably best known for, but, but these are not your, these are not your, your, your dad's. Thor and your dad's Odin and your dad, you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 so I, 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 I'm not quite sure where this is going to end up going when all is said and done, but it's so far so good. Um, the art looks fantastic. Uh, it's Simonson writing and, and, and illustrating it, uh, Laura Martin on colors and, uh, our buddy, Mr. Workman on letters. So the book is, is, is pristinely well put together. Um, and, uh, he's two for two. You know, this is, this, this could have easily been a vanity project where you're, you're just, it, 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 there's not much there and it's just Simonson approached IDW and said, I want to do another North story and they're like, great. But, but this has been a lot of fun so far through two issues and I'm very intrigued, um, with what we have to come. So, um, at the end of the second issue, we, we now have, uh, a certain God that we are very familiar with has been given a quest, um, on someone else's deathbed. And, uh, and presumably that's where the, the story will go next, but so hat tip to him. Uh, I have a feeling this is a book that's being ignored by a lot of people. So, um, if you're at all nostalgic for Simonson Thor, this is good stuff. And, you know, Walt is awesome, but there's been some stuff he's done in recent years that I, you know, I think some people have thought hasn't been quite as up to snuff artistically as his older stuff. And this is not that. This is, he is putting every ounce of love and passion into this book artistically as he ever did in anything. So it looks great. Gotta love that Simonson. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like David, Uh-oh. we love you. And we hope you will uh, join us on the next one of these. Same place you found this one of these. Um, have a very healthy and prosperous new year, people. Yes. 
because uh, we love you. And it is, you know, it's that time to say these things, but we mean it. Damn it. Uh, go out, be fruitful, multiply, enjoy yourself, read a lot of comics, and come here every week because we'll be here. David will be waiting for you. And I, I need to thank everybody who called, texted, Facebook message, stopped by the house. Um, everybody who said nice things and, and, and expressed their condolences. Thank you very much. Because mm-hmm. we love David. It's very yeah. true. And Renee. And yes, I was going to get there. And Renee, I love her often uh, whenever she allows me to. <laughs> Uh, so come back, people. We love you so much. Peace. Say, say good night, David. Good night, David. Aw, oh, he did it. For you. First thing. Saturate, saturate